Reacher, Hot Lap League, and Free Radicals. This is Staying In. The other day at work, we were um, we all got together after the bank holiday, and we were like, oh, you know, oh, what did you do for your bank holiday? And um, I think like the the three three probably the most typical things that Brits probably do on a bank holiday is visit family, do a bit of DIY, and do a bit of gardening if the weather's nice. And so we were all chatting about our little our little bank holidays, and our boss he'd, he'd gone to visit his family and. And uh, another colleague at work, he'd oh, he'd done a bit of DIY, and someone else she'd she'd been in the garden. And then it turned to me, I said, "Oh, Sam, what what have you been doing?" And I was like, "Oh, well, yeah, well, this weekend I was helping my father-in-law dig the foundations for his hot tub." <laughs> oh my <laughs> word! And they all pretty much said, "Well, that sounds like the ultimate bank holiday." And I was like. <laughs> In the garden, DIY with the father-in-law. I've got a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> I also haven't felt more white and middle class. <laughs> I would feel uncomfortable as well because the the hot tub. Let's not let's not muck about here. The hot tub is a a, a space to unwind, <laughs> relax, and to make ill-advised copies of that what? scene from Showgirls. I've not even seen Showgirls. Have we not seen Showgirls? Some people say the Criterion Collection is the most fascinating. I think the Willington Collection of films <laughs> yeah. is the most interesting curated list. <laughs> that scene from Showgirls. How do you feel about building something in which you know you, you're going to end up with a lot of nad soup or a lot of um... <laughs> nad soup? That's yeah, that's, the, like, that's, that's the description you're going with. Yeah, that is what you end up with in a hot tub. You just end up with soup. Do you? I remember there being a hot tub on Sam's stag, and yeah. we got in the hot tub, at which point yeah. we realised it was far too small for the amount of like grown men that were sitting in it. We were like, yeah. this is a little uncomfortable. Dan, water came over the top of it when we all <laughs> yeah, got yeah, in. Yeah. We were like, we're sitting a little too close here. This is, this I, is uncomfortable. I ate a slice of pizza while I was in it and uh, then when I woke up the next day, uh, when I woke up the next day, I was covered in a weird layer of salt. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, no. What, <laughs> what brine? I, if, I think it was brine, I'll be honest. Oh, my word. Like, you know, when you drain a tin of tuna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just Peter basted himself. Oh, oh. Well, Pete, but I don't know if you saw the big the big thing on Twitter. Do you see the big thing on Twitter? Um, there seems like so many big things on Twitter at the moment. I'm not sure which one you're referring well, to. Well, news just in, a massive thing has just happened on Twitter that I don't feel like we have the, the brains or indeed insight to go into in any meaningful way. But it was the big, it was the big board gaming thing on Twitter. The big board gaming thing. Did you see it? What does the name Mandy Patinkin mean to you? Mandy Patinkin. Yeah, just think. Just think about that. Mandy. What does that name mean to mean to Peter Willington? Mandy Patinkin. Yeah. I mean, you can keep you can keep saying it. It (laughs) You can keep saying it whilst you quickly Google it. I mean, we we know what you're doing. (laughs) It sounds like it sounds like a kind of I don't know. It sounds like a sort of slightly delightful fairy tale person. 
like like well, like maybe they like uh, as they say their surname like there's like the chime of bells <laughs> very dinky. well they they are a delightful person that that is okay. that is true and actually okay. a good there worthwhile are connections to an almost fairy tale type yes 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 have you never watched uh, the princess bride i have was it double bill with showgirls <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so this is this is like a, a a a big a big thing in board gaming Twitter. You must have seen it, Pete. It was a video of Mandy Patinkin with his family trying to get their head around the rules of Wingspan. Oh, is that the the one who was going on about the rules? <laughs> yeah, the rules were like really intense, really over the top, and they just didn't understand it. Yeah, and then all of board game Twitter came in through the door, going, "Well." I- uh, you know, wingspan's actually really easy. If uh... I, I've got right, okay, yeah. So I'm gonna get on my high horse for a second here. Okay, here we yeah, go. Let me take a run up at this one. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> take a run up at this one. There's a reason that board games, as an industry, is a fraction of a fraction of wider entertainment industries and a huge amount of it like a huge amount of it is this idea that oh how can we get people into board games but also here's my here's my four hour long euro game about how the german political system works <laughs> and like here's here's the 45 minutes of setup and 30 minutes of rules intro that i need to give you here's the it gets good after six games like i find it so infuriating and and, and like seeing that happen on twitter where it was like these people were like Am I an idiot? Am I an idiot for not understanding what is being said on this in no, this rule yeah. book? And I was like, no, no, you're not. But yeah, ah! but af- after we we shared that video with us, and then we kind of got chatting as well about like a lot of people in the comments are just like, you know, Wingspan's such a gateway game, like you know, all this kind of stuff. And like it struck me then when we were when we were chatting about it, and I watched this video, like. Isn't it weird how, like, what is quote-unquote considered the gateway games of board games just haven't changed for yeah. for years and years and years and years? There's still, like, Carcassonne, Catan, Pandemic, especially those three just haven't really... I, I can't think of many that have really I mean, come Even those, those aren't, like, really, really no. accessible. There's, there's still a good, like you have to learn an understanding of conventions of board like settlers catan if you if, if all you've ever played is monopoly or the game of life and you sit down with settlers of catan there's a lot of stuff that you've got to learn about resource management and stuff there's like that's just completely a alien true, to someone who doesn't play board games a true gateway game genuinely for me a true gateway game is a game that the entire group could be brand new to board games not one of them have played a what you would call a hobby board game like so outside of like the Hasbro lot and all, mm. all that sort of you know monopoly and guess who and all that sort of stuff but the they could all sit down fresh with that board game and understand what was being said and have a good time like if i handed like if i handed Catan to somebody and said hey you four you've never played these kinds of board games before crack on they would see the hexes <laughs> immediately and be like yeah oh i don't really understand how what i'm meant to be doing here and you still need somebody to to kind of 
pull you along with it. Or, or it dress still... the game up and apply a theme, you know, a theme to it and like yeah. really bring the board game to life. Role play it. Yeah, right. basically ro- role play through it. And like, because I think I may have stumbled across a, well, not stumbled, I think it probably is now considered one of um, like the gateway games. Like I played Photosynthesis for the first time the other day. Okay. And this is the game that's been bobbing around for five years, 2017, I want to say. Um, Photosynthesis um, came out. And this, I feel like, has got um, the two two of the things, I think, which really help in terms of like making that gateway game, like bridging that gap. Like, I think one of the reasons why Pandemic, unfortunately, now it's a little bit, seems a little bit off colour. And... Um, Carcassonne are always considered um, good gateway games is that their theme is really strong like in Pandemic it's very clear what is happening on the board and what you have got to do as players and it's very easy for you to inhabit that that kind of thing like here is a bad thing represented by these cubes the less cubes you have the better we are doing and then the same in Carcassonne it's kind of like the longer that road is the more points that road is worth the bigger this city is that's going to get me more points like that's very easy sort of iconography for for people to to understand which means that there's more room left over in terms of like energy and um, mental capacity to like mm-hmm. understand some of the nuances of of why those games are so are so great. So in photosynthesis, you have this magical theme where all it is, you're basically just growing trees. And it comes in this box, which is just jam filled with um, punch out boards. So I was having a whale of a time. <laughs> and um, you spend the first sort of half an hour just building all these trees in four different colors you've got small trees and medium trees and these big big massive sort of oaks oaks and pines and firs and it's it's a really wonderful game but it just makes it when you get it to the table and bring it out in front of people it makes it a real event like when you're giving someone their playing pieces to play with you're giving them a forest you're giving them this like these this this whole like bunch of trees that they can like play with and move and explore and they've got little animals on their trunks and like it is it is quite a a, a magical game to experience like the art by Sabrina uh, Miramon is is really special and <clears throat> The concept of the game is that you have this like crescent shape around the side of the board, which represents the sun. And depending on where the sun is, it shines light on the trees. And depending on the size of trees that you have grown in the forest, you'll get points. Uh, So say you've planted a tree and it's grown up to be a big, tall, strong boy. That's like three points, but only if the sun is able to shine on it. Same with the small little dinky trees. If the sun shines on that tree, you'll get one point. However, as we all know and can kind of understand, when the sun hits a tree, that tree will cast a shadow. So these big, big hefty boys there will cast a shadow like three lengths long across the board, which means any trees that are that are in the shade of that big tree don't get the sun on them, so you don't score points if mm. those are one of your trees. And then at some point, a little bit sadly you can choose to chop the trees down and then you get points for having chopped down those down those trees but before you chop down those trees you might have decided to plant a seed and those seeds drop from the trees in the same way that 
the sun and the shade work. So a big tree will drop a seed really far away because it's taller and, and it can spread out a lot further. However, a small tree will only drop a seed like next to it, just bobble away, pop, 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 pop onto the next space. And it just strikes me as, as a game that's not overly complicated, but because it's so tied up to its theme and each of the mechanics is explainable by real world interactions and real things that we can see and that we we understand it made it so much easier to teach and introduce to a, a group of gamers and, and and people who had not necessarily interacted with games as much as say myself and chris and my wife have and mm. suddenly you you have a table that are starting to you know, understand the concept of like, you know, bigger is better and yeah, casting shadows doesn't get you points. So that means I need to make sure that I'm planting trees far away from each other. So I'm getting a good spread of points. And then because the sun moves after every round, you get players that are starting to strategize and go, right, the sun's going to be here. So I need to make sure that I'm growing this tree and this tree. So I'm blocking out the light from that player and that player and I'm getting, I'm making the most of this situation. And because the points you earn are, are then recycled into trees that you can buy and seeds that you can plant and different actions that you can essentially do on your turn, there's a wonderful ramping up of complexity and understanding that blends with the game that really, I, I genuinely think it's like one of the modern gateway games. Like it's, it's a really clever piece of work. It's interesting because... I think we sometimes, and I say we, I mean like the board gaming community use the term gateway very broadly because there are different mm. types of gateway I can find, I find like I'm noticing at the moment, like my partner's not a gamer, but I've been interested. They really like co-op games. So what I found is like, it's been really interesting. It's almost like my job where I'm putting together like a lesson plan, like a <laughs> curriculum and like starting off with like kind of smaller, like co-op games like for example forbidden desert then moving on to things like burger brothers and yeah. then we did pandemic the other day and that's a gateway to a particular genre of gaming yeah um for others there are there are those who just need to introduce them to kind of what dan was alluding to board games aren't just roll and move and there's nothing obviously wrong with roll and move but that's actually something a very common thing we're brought up on but also you get those almost Trojan horse games, which look like there should be a gateway game because the theme is perhaps gateway. Oh, I recognize that. I know trees or wingspan. I know birds. Whoa, wingspan, hang on. Yeah. yeah, and I love wingspan to pieces because I love the theme. But if you took those mechanics and apply that to a different theme, I would really struggle with that game. Not that I wouldn't like it. It's just the case I wouldn't, I wouldn't retain the mechanics as well because I just wouldn't be able to marry it. And the theme for me is what, draws me into that game but i do think sometimes people look at it and think well it's not mechs it's not rulers um <laughs> it looks fairly indie um it's you know it's sold in i don't know it's sold in a bookshop that's ipso facto it must be a gateway game mm. and 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 it's really interesting that you also get the reverse the games that don't that look really impenetrable and the games i've i've, I've not deliberately looked at or picked up because i think okay there's no way i can get into that they've been surprisingly accessible mm. so um it does i think what's been very very useful about this kind of twitter feed apart from filtering through all the bile that's on there is it actually raises really pertinent questions regarding well actually when we say gateway to what exactly yeah 
Well, because that, cause that's the thing that, you know, when I think about games that I introduce to people for the first time, I don't think about gateway games. I just think about things like The Mind and Illusion. And uh, I played uh, Medium with a family the other, the other weekend and they absolutely, yeah, they absolutely loved it. I think Sushi Go is a really good one to introduce to people. Sushi Go is a really, yeah, really one. good one just to yeah. introduce the idea of cards that aren't just your typical kind of spades, clubs, hearts, diamonds kind of thing. Absolutely. And But I think there's something slightly different about a gateway game where it's kind of like, this is your first start on the hobby. It's not like, oh, remember that game that Dan bought around? That was really fun. Yeah, maybe we should we should play that game. Or, you know, Sam brings around some interesting games now and again. Oh, like, that's that's great. But a gateway game is like, right, you play Pandemic, now you're going to play this. And like, oh, yeah, you've played this, and now you're going to play that. And I think there's... Do you think maybe there is a bit of like why it feels like such a protected resource is kind of like that first experience of what's actually going to get you into the hobby is such a valuable one that it does almost feel like, well, it's got to be, you know, the perfect start. I, I think I think it it is because the, the idea of the gateway game implies a journey beyond that one game like yes. as i say like something like sushi go you can play it in a group and like kids like i've got like young nephews like eight seven or eight who will play it and absolutely love it and they'll play it and then it goes away and it's fine you just played a game that's fine there's no requirement to go any further than that mm-hmm. whereas the concept of the gateway game is okay we're starting on a journey where you're going to build a game collection and you're going to really get into this and this is going to be a big part of your life and so that's quite daunting. Yeah. And so to, to have more than one of those, it, they kind of needs to be really a concise group. That's why we talk about just a couple of them. I mean, you've got like really popular, slightly more not your monopoly stuff like code names and stuff is a great entry point, but it doesn't really feed into that journey because it is more of a party game. So the party games don't really fall under that bracket. Whereas like you, you like to see your code names or like, stuff like maybe in the past something like cards against humanity stuff that just introduces other types of gaming experiences like you can have a drink with them you can do them anywhere like settlers Catan, like you kind of it's it's if it's the first time you're playing it you're not going to have a drink with it you need to sit down and concentrate and it becomes something more serious than just i'm going to play a game now because kind of if you're not in the hobby playing a board game is just fun you play it once and you've had a nice time and you move on and that's it as opposed to it being becoming a part of kind of it sounds quite grandiose and quite serious but becoming part of your life going forward type thing Mm -hmm. yeah it's really interesting because i think there are also gateway games actually are there to get people into the act of a game full stop whatever it is like play like i think we sometimes take for granted that that play comes naturally to us it, it doesn't for a lot of people mm. it, yeah. it's, it's really interesting like the idea of of as an adult engaging in things that for some can seem quite frivolous is quite an abstract concept like and you know um i remember with my family i i i bought them the resistance no, i bought them werewolf sorry a what a few years ago i bought them werewolf and i wasn't there to teach it and i sent it to them and they just opened it out and like what what's this how do we do this and you know these my parents are quite seasoned board gamers and things but the idea of a social deduction game they've really struggled with i mean we do love it at times but i know some people in our group struggle with the whole idea of having to lie to bluff that's not their forte whatsoever and it suddenly you know it it almost doesn't matter how often how long you've been in gaming for it's actually sometimes about what the level of interaction is 
being asked of you around the table really i've i've played resistance in the past where people have got upset genuinely upset because they can't grasp the 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 concept of what's happening and like to people kind of used to games and used to just thinking in a certain way because you trained mm. yourself it's not something that you've just naturally have you've trained yourself to think it a certain way it it comes naturally to you like the fact you could say oh you just do this is really easy but if you don't have that kind of kind of bed in like that like people i've seen people like in tears because they can't understand and yet everyone else seems to and that's a really difficult thing to kind of handle because if everyone's doing it you suddenly you then criticize yourself you feel like i'm stupid and stuff like that and it's not it's just people understand things in different ways and people in the same way that some people are more visual or kind of read kind of in order to gain information they just people learn things in different ways and these games kind of do that same thing something like resistance is great for a lot of people but for some people it's a really struggle like as you were saying that that the concept of a social deduction against people and lying being part of it if you've been brought upon as i say the game of life you've been brought upon monopoly maybe cluedo and stuff like that like these are kind of the the concepts of those games are kind of quite simple as you say you roll the dice you move something happens next person you roll the dice you move something's kind of a a defined group of actions can possibly happen there's not really a lot of thinking to do for say with with a monopoly i land on palm isle do i want to buy it no okay next turn it's very very simple but to move beyond that for some people completely understandably can be quite difficult because they don't have that kind of embed desire naturally to to understand it i went and had a nice little sauna last week or sauna. Sauna. sauna sauna that's what they call sauna. it there yeah there i was in, i went to sweet i went to sweden oh my word and uh mama mia and because saunas are like a really important part of swedish culture yeah all the they're Nordics, like ubiquitous yeah. Yeah. So the hotel was like, yeah, just you can use our sauna for free. Just book an hour slot. You get it to yourself. So I'm great. Brilliant. It was really nice. Mm. It was the longest I'd ever spent in a sauna. It was, How it long did you spend about, in there? About nearly an hour. I know, Pete, you can go longer than that. I can go a lot longer in a sauna. <laughs> yeah. I picture you, Pete, you're like one of those desert beetles that mm. in the morning you crawl to the top of the dune and you do like some <laughs> elaborate handstand. So the water condensation trickles down into your mouth. I nearly, and this is not a good thing, I nearly fell asleep in a sauna once. Oh, my and that word. Was, that was not good. That was uh, that was the point where I was like, I've been too long in here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. They would have to take you out of a dustpan and brush. Yeah, right. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love saunas. Yeah, oh, see, my God. Saunas, I'm, I'm not a huge... I can't stay in a sauna for too long. No. I stay longer in a steam room. I was going to say, can you, do, you can do a steam room, right? A steam like, room I, I find more pleasant yeah. than, a, than a sauna. It's a bit too dry in a sauna. Yeah. No, this was quite nice because like the, the idiot people hadn't like piled on loads of like water onto it, so it was a really nice temperature in there. So you know, you could sufficiently kind of st- you know you know that you know when you're in a steam room for t- so a sauna for too long where yeah, you, you actually burn your nose as you're breathing in. Yeah, I've had that situation. <laughs> Love yeah, that. It bit. wasn't like that bad. No. Uh, no. Pete, you sound um, disappointed. It's like oh, that's the best bit. That yeah, is. it's the best bit. This starts to really like clear your. When you, pores when you start out. to like burn the insides as well as the out. Yeah, that's, mm. that's, that's that's the good stuff. What what's what was the what was the sauna etiquette like? Was there? Did you have to like provide your own towels? Was, no, they provided towels. Did you have to um, use a towel? 
Well, we had it to ourselves, so... Oh. So I, I did Google it. I did Google it. I must admit beforehand, Peter said, "What is sauna ex- etiquette in Sweden?" Because I don't want to be offensive. And generally, the the kind of the rule is if like you're in like a swimming baths or or something like that, you you go nude with like a towel wrapped around you. If it's in like a hotel or something, because it's in, you get a lot of international guests who aren't overly comfortable with that. You know, they'll they'll say on signs what the requ- the request is really, whether it's like swimming swimming gear or whatever. Mm. full wetsuit i don't know but like you know i'm i'm not as i i mean it, less layers is best really let's be honest i mean i i think we all know that Pete would just strip strip down to his his bare bones regardless of well, the instructions i think he'd add more layers down to be honest if i so here's so here's here's an interesting thing so hopefully because we're, we're putting a we're, we're we're we we are able somehow uh to be purchasing purchasing a house at the moment and and it's it's moving along still it's taking far too long but at the bottom of the garden mm-hmm. is a sauna amongst the birds and the bees <laughs> amongst the birds and the bees there is a sauna and i thought to myself um. i thought to myself how am i like my first my first sort of reaction to it was like am i going to be able to get from the house to the sauna without having to take like a bathrobe with me Yes, Could I just you, like... you, yes, you have to take a bathrobe. I think I think that that's a question that's best directed at your new neighbours. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, exactly. Like, the, like, am I? Are they able to see into my garden? And if no, then well, let it all hang out. But if they can, then is there is what would I? How would I handle the rest of that? Would I get myself like a sauna bathrobe, or like a? Would I get like some speedos? I mean, a robe is all you need, and you can just you can just take it off at the sauna and put it back on at the sauna. So you've got that magpie tea towel, I got you. Exactly. That could be for the sauna. Oh. You've got the you've got the apron of all of our faces. Yeah, but that doesn't cover the back. So what he's saying is, we need to buy you a second one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, are you pitching your neighbours, your new neighbours, just being stood at their windowsill with like a set of opera glasses each? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sort of I'm sort of picturing them with like a pince nez on and it popping out whenever they see me walk down the walk down the thing. So so you know we could actually at some point this year if it all goes through and my wordly word touch wood I hope it all does at some point later this year we're all we going to be naked all, in the sauna together. We yeah, could all I, be I, naked in the, the sauna like, together. I mean like couldn't we? Even even in the event of kind of like there being a sauna, I'm not sure how comfortable I comfortable i'd be going there knowing the fact that you are regularly in there naked sweaty naked. i'm not sure how i'd feel about you know what i'm good inside i'm i'm good i'll i'll you go out have have a nice time in the in the steam uh I'll, so I'll you saying are you drink. honestly saying you you honestly saying all the lads are over we're all over we're all over at my house <laughs> you're and, gonna sit and there I say, in your own who, who fancies <laughs> getting all their clothes off and going and sitting in my weird sauna <laughs> and you would and you would say to yourself, no, thank you. No, that is not a story I would like to tell a future podcast listener. Like that is not something <laughs> I would that's, like to Because that's the basis of the conversation. Like <laughs> this will be discussed on a podcast. This isn't something yeah, that's going to happen yeah. in private. Record it I, in the sauna. It'd be, it'd be I remember being in Iceland about over 20 years ago and using the outdoor Blue Lagoon. And because they don't have chlorine in the water because it's all natural, they're very strict on hygiene. So they had this woman do we just stand there and watch us shower to make sure that we were properly showering in the the right areas. 
I remember that. There was like a diagram of the human body with the red zones that we had to focus on more, which is essentially the, arm, the armpits. <laughs> Were you like the stuff below the equator? Is anyone is anyone thinking perhaps this this woman didn't work there and Chris just <laughs> <laughs> he's just yes I work yeah, here. This is like a yeah, Chris. This was a problem. This wasn't this wasn't legal. So tell us tell us more about your trip away, Chris. Right. Okay. I le- I learned a wonderful Swedish word which is more of a philosophy as well as a word. Um, and apologies for any Swedish listeners who I'm butchering this. Fika, Fika, F-I-K-E, or Fika, okay. Fika. And it's a bit like the the, 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 um, the Danish huga, yeah. this notion. And Fika is basically, it encapsulates drinking coffee, mm-hmm. eating sweet things and chatting with mates. And it's oh. like a, a prerequisite for all people in Swedish need to have that right to Fika. So like to have that time should be made in your working day to get together with mates, drink coffee and have something sweet and chat together. Um, that was quite have nice. A there's, there's a lot of like, yeah, exactly. A lot of cafes, all the, a lot of cafe culture and stuff there. Um, I went to this great museum called the Vasa Museum, which is a museum about a massive ship from the 1600s, which got 1500 meters into harbor and then just sank. Because <laughs> um, basically... The king at that time wanted to show off king or queen, whoever's in power at that time, wanted to show off how much wealth they had. So they basically pimped out this ship. Everything above the water was massive and gold and ornate. And they just didn't weigh it down enough at the bottom. They just basically put a single layer of stones. It looked like a garden rockery. And it just went out and just sank. Oh, my God. You look at it, but what they did was in the 60s, they pulled the whole thing up piece by piece and reassembled it. So 98% of it is now intact. So you walk in and you've got this whole ship. It was like the end of Uncharted, Sam. You see oh the whole God. ship there. Wow. You're walking beneath it by the side of it. You're going above. You're learning about, you know, the history of how the ship was made, why mm-hmm. it sank, ofs, because you literally were stood at one level and it says, this was the waterline. And you're looking up and you feel a bit like, you know, that, that handyman in The Simpsons who just goes, yep, there's your problem. It felt a bit <laughs> like that. You look at thinking, oh, of course it sank. How could it not sink? And they've essentially, they've they spent like about six years in the early 2000s replacing all of the 4,000, I think, or 40,000 iron bolts with stainless steel ones. And they've basically sprayed it with this material. It's the same ingredient you get in like moisturizer and lipstick just to preserve it. It's, it, it's absolutely extraordinary. You walk in and there's this whole galleon in front of you. It's incredible. And yeah, that was brilliant. I saw a really cool Andy Warhol exhibition. We did a lot of walking. Ate some Swedish meatballs nice in tech. an old monastery that was then a prison under the under the streets. That was quite cool. And tried to take on as much of that kind of Swedish kind of culture as possible, really. And it was really, really good. The air was so fresh, so fresh. And the metro system is amazing because it's like a gigantic art gallery. And we went to this open air zoo. I saw bears, bison, a wolverine, which had a ladder in its pen, which somebody had left, which isn't a pretty good idea. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Loved it to pieces. Can highly recommend uh, Stockholm. And I think if I went back, I'd probably go somewhere a little bit more rural to explore rural yeah. Sweden because it's just such a massive country. I, I also have been on holiday, but I think my holiday was the antithesis of, of Chris's holiday because it was primarily just based around kind of kids in swimming pools and uh like just going for a a drink and like not doing any kind of 
like museums or anything like that. I went to uh, with with family. We had a, like a family holiday to Canary Islands um, in Lanzarote, and like we had like an all inclusive hotel, so you have food and drink all provided for you, and you can walk around the town, and like the kids go in the swimming pool and all that stuff. But like the complete opposite of like like a cultural kind of city break style holiday where you're looking at kind of museums and art galleries and all that stuff. Like it was, it was, it was a fascinating place. Like I didn't realize, like, because I was Lanzarote was the island I went to. Like I didn't realize how Lanzarote was kind of created through kind of volcanic rock and stuff. I just had no idea. So when I got there, you kind of, it feels quite barren until you realize, like, no, just like there's no earth here. It's just all rock, and like there's no greenery other than like cactuses, and like you see like people growing kind of I think like grapes, like a vineyard or something like that, but like it's they're all buried they're all kind of um planted in like gravel like like there's a playground and there's gravel on the ground because that's all they have and everything is it's so bizarre and the kind of beautiful when you understand what it is actually this is all kind of lava from hundreds of years kind of thing like that suddenly it becomes very different and like you realize that every everywhere you look it's just rock you and so when i came back home it was kind of like oh grass greenery this is like whoa this is all new uh so yeah so i had a i had a lovely holiday um an exhausting holiday like even though because (laughs) we're in a hotel room i had to go to bed at half eight kind of every night um which for the first like two nights was a bit annoying and then i was like this is quite nice actually i get a nice long sleep because the kids had to go to bed there i couldn't leave the kids and go off by myself so i was kind of like Okay, well, we'll just go to bed then. And I was like, ooh, I'm getting quite a nice sleep here. Half eight, nine o'clock. I usually go to bed around half eleven, midnight. So this was this was very new for me. I mean, I've gone back to it now. I've not I've not stuck around with my half eight. <laughs> um, as you can tell, because it's half eight now, and I'm not asleep. Um, but yeah, so it was or it was a you? lovely holiday. Just very very different to uh, a nice kind of romantic break to Stockholm. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. Do you know? Hey, listen. Hey, Hey, listen. Hey, hey listen. listen. Hey, listen. Hey, um, listen. A little while ago, a little <laughs> while ago, I've been revisiting some of the games and the game ideas from uh, that we talked about a few Where? hundred episodes because <laughs> we're now on 150. Um, and I Ooh. went back over the weekend and uh, I was playing Sales of Glory. I was playing a bit of that. Uh, All right, yeah. Which we talked about on episode 60-something. Thing. I'm sure 61 I think something like, something like that um, <laughs> and um, uh, and I you know I've been revisiting you know we've been playing Ticket to Ride recently and we talk, oh, there you go there's a gateway game that's a game that we've uh, kind of talked about a lot in the past Pretty and decent. there's a game I've been playing recently uh, on my mobile telephone that reminds me of a game that we talked about very early on back in the day and that is Hot Lap League so, but no, that that's the game, not the game it reminds you of. Correct. The game that it reminds me of is Trackmania. Which is one of Pete's favourite games of all time. One of my favourite games of all time. Uh, well, it actually reminds me of Nations Forever, but it's um, it's uh, the one we talked about back in the day, Trackmania... Turbo? Mm, what was Turbo? it? Turbo? Trackmania we, we def- Turbo. We've definitely talked about Trackmania Turbo in the past. Uh, episode four of the podcast. Trackmania really? Turbo. 
Episode four. Jeez yeah. Louise. Episode four. I wonder if anybody's listening now and they've been here since episode four. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wondering when are we going to go back to talking about Trackmania? Yeah, exactly. That's, exactly. That, was, that was what hooked them in and they've been That's waiting. on. I've been 146 episodes in and still heard of it. Anyway, Here's well, the payoff. It, it, was also, it was also mentioned in episode 100 as our as, as part of our top 10 there things worth staying in for. There you go. I don't know there if it made so the Pete, top 10. Pete, but you mentioned, Pete, you're playing this on your mobile telephone. My mobile yeah. telephone. Uh, I am playing Hot Lap League and uh, it is basically... <laughs> It sounds like like something written on the written on the sign for Chris's sauna. The Hot Lap League. The Hot Lap League. Meets here every Wednesday. Yeah, in the red zone. (laughs) Towel towel (laughs) Yeah. Towels are optional. So uh the Hot Lap League is uh it's a paid game, paid mobile game, so so uh it's uh it's not got any of those skeezy ads or anything along those lines. It does have a currency in it, but it's a currency that meters out progression rather than something particularly like onerous and it only does cosmetics. So it's I guess it's kinda like Rocket League before Rocket League went free to play. So you can you can buy cosmetics and stuff along those lines, but you really don't need them and you get a bunch of uh, currency for free anyway so uh, it really doesn't seem to be too much of an issue um, but if you've not played Trackmania before and I think we've all played Trackmania yeah we've all played Trackmania absolutely yeah it is a really straightforward racing game in so much as and this is going to sound really obvious but it has accelerate brake left and right okay <laughs> and like is that, does it does it have aftertouch uh, so in this one it slightly does yes so it's an arcade racing experience. You don't have to worry about gears. You don't have to worry about any of that sort of stuff. And indeed, the tracks that you're on in Hot Lap League are they're kind of like roller coasters essentially. They're they're suspended above the above the ground and there's loopity loops, there's corkscrews, there's uh huge jumping gaps. Uh, there are like little, like really fast chicanes. Um and then it also brings in this mechanic uh, which I don't think track mania has which is it it brings in drifting so in this one it allows you to tap a button in the middle of the screen and the almost like the grippiness of the tires becomes a lot less for a fraction of a moment and that allows you to initial d style drift around stuff um Mm. uh, at a high speed and i know i know it's i know it's sometimes a little bit gauche to refer to something constantly as it's like this it's like this other thing but yeah i but it is so like that other thing i think that's what they were going for like like i can't i can't imagine a world in which the folks who made hot lap league which i believe is a company called ultimate which someone told me they've got ties with like supercell or something along those lines i don't i don't know if that's i don't know if that's true but um it's certainly well made enough to to think that somebody with a lot of money is backing it in some way. If they haven't seen Trackmania before, they are in for a shock because it is they've basically made the the a very similar game. Um and that's no bad thing because actually I think Trackmania works really well in more quick pick up and play dip in and out kind of sessions rather than okay, get the disc out chuck it into the system then go through the load screen then do all that sort of yeah, stuff yeah, and okay yeah. i'm gonna sit down now for 25 minutes and play trackmania actually it's pretty good when you're playing it portably i actually really enjoyed trackmania ds for example i thought it was a really good addition of trackmania 
um, because it was so fast, cartridge-based, it just loaded up real quick. And this is the same thing with Hot Lap League. But what it brings in that I think is, uh, that goes beyond stuff like Trackmania DS is, uh, and further into your uh, Trackmania Turbos, is it has daily challenges, for example. So every single day, the entire Hot Lap League racing community has the opportunity to play a daily challenge. And every single day, it only lasts that one that one 24-hour period. And you try and put in the fastest lap that you can possibly put in. And everybody goes up against one another. And it's, it's, it's brilliant. Because you're constantly trying to outdo everybody else. It has that one-upmanship of the best of those time trial-related games. Like Trackmania. Like Mario Kart on the Wii. Like, well, things like, something like Mario Kart on the Wii, for example, where you're doing time trials and you're trying to cut fractions of seconds out of people's times. Or Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, where you've got the speed wall and you're trying to really constantly trying to, trying to push those numbers. So it has this like online connection thing whereby you can play everybody around the world. Now, it's not quite there with some of its multiplayer stuff whereby I think there is some stuff where it needs to... I think there are still some additions that, as a game, it could really improve, improve, like, improve upon. So, for example, right now, there's no concept of friends in the game, and I think that that somewhat damages it. I mean, like, Dan, you've been playing it as well, right? Yeah, like... um I, I do have a, a bit of a soft spot for kind of arcade races. I don't tend to be particularly great at them, but I do have a soft spot for them, like... You, you, the likes of your kind of Gran Turismo and stuff is like that's beyond me. Like I just I can't do those. But absolutely, give me a Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. Give me Burnout nice. Paradise. Absolutely, sign me up for those. But especially kind of games where I can go up against like a Ghost Lap and stuff like that. That is that is my mm. absolute bread and butter. Like Mario Kart. Obviously, I like I remember Mario Kart. Mario Kart Wii, like me and you, Sam, on like Bowser's Castle 3, like mm-hmm. literally me yeah. and you going against each other, ghost laps, like we were down to a like fraction of a second between us. And it would be a case mm. of yeah. if I touched the wall at any point, I restarted because there was no way I could get that back. And then like we did it on Trackmania Turbo. I remember we Trackmania Turbo, like literally at probably about midnight, running around my living room because I just snatch the top spot from what from one of you guys and like literally jo- i mean i don't ever remember doing that with any other game L- jumping in the air kind of yeah. obviously having to be very quiet but kind of screaming silently <laughs> into the air and like absolutely having that and it does have a this does have a similar thing like we did it relatively recently with kind of the remastered version of new speed hot pursuit and we we kind of did some of that especially with like some of those short races where like those you Mm. it's a very quick refresh and kind of like okay restart 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 i've clipped something i've gone slightly off the line i know i can't get it back restart and it's it's brilliant for that and that's what this game does as well it gives you that um element of it says at the start like if you want to restart there's a button there and it bang immediately puts you right back to the start and you can start again i've not been playing it a lot yet i just haven't had it very long so i'm still kind of working my way through it and one thing i do like about it is it has a really interesting i've don't i've never really seen it before because as kind of p mentioned you've got like three controls you've got left you've got right and you've got this drift button but like if you go into kind of edit controls you can choose where on the screen all of those buttons appear and you can adjust okay you can Mm. have the left and right 
all on the one side of the controller you can have them either side you can have them small you can have them big and like you're literally kind of getting your fingers and stretching them and making them bigger and smaller and I can put the, the, the drift button all the way along the bottom, or I could just have it in the middle. So, and it's, I've never seen that before. It's a really interesting wave, like, especially at the start, you find yourself doing the races, working out, okay, well, where do my thumbs naturally go? Where is it mm. best place to put all these controls? And that's a really nice dynamic of kind of being able to cool. really edit it to your own personal thing. Like, I've tried it in different ways. I'm like, actually, I'm not really get, getting that kind of drift button easily because i've not got the configuration quite right i need to make the drift button slightly bigger just so my thumb can drop down to it more easily or different things so it's, it's kind of really kind of clever in that sense it's thinking about it i absolutely agree like it needs like if it had friends if i could look at pete your scores and i could go up against your ghost lap like my enjoyment of the game would increase kind of exponentially. Yeah. It would like, yes, this is what I want from these games. I'm not someone who just wants to compete to be the best because I'm never going to be the best. There's there's no interest in that for me because I'm just not that good. But I can compete against friends who will probably be better mm. than me, but I can, I can. it's kind of a point that I can get closer and closer and closer to and then maybe overcome for, I don't know, a day and then they take it further again. But it's that competition I can do, like, Compe- like friendly competition yeah. between us sign me up every day of the week and twice on Sundays yeah S- competing against like random people who are far better than me like I just, I'm not interested like on Mario Kart like I don't care that someone was able to do a course 30 seconds faster than me that's not that's not fun for me to try and work that out I'm, I'm happy just going up in Sam and like me and Sam like being neck and neck that's that's what mm-hmm. the fun is and like mm. jumping around my living room at midnight because i got a fraction of a second on one course because i took a boost ever so slightly better than someone else it's it's just fantastic and it does do that really really well it's just as you're just missing those couple of multiplayer elements which would really kind of push it a lot further yeah it just and the driving model just feels so snappy and like reliable it sounds really odd, but like there are some of those arcade races where it feels like, oh, I didn't realize the car was going to react in that way. But no, like it's like Rocket League in that like that vehicle driving model is robust. You know exactly what you're doing. And every time it screws up, you, it's never a case of like, oh, I got screwed over there. It's like, yeah, that was me being bad. Like, it's... So a few weeks ago, Sam and I started watching Reacher. We watched Reacher. episode one together. Reacher is not the actual theme tune. How many uh, um, how many rounds of it did you watch? Well, there are eight episodes in total. So eight. I've only watched six. <laughs> so Sam Sam's completed it. So you've so you would say in, so so you've watched six rounds of Reacher, and eight <laughs> did, yeah. uh, and Sam's watched eight rounds of Reacher. <laughs> yeah, go on. Yep, go on. We're all here for you, Pete. Come on, we all believe in you. So what we're saying so what 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 you're saying chris is that sam's had more reacher rounds than you have <laughs> he's watched more episodes of it yeah well he's watched the whole season he's not one. playing with you pete he's not playing now i i have realized now you could all be in the same boat there are certain ips out there intellectual properties where i will go okay i don't want to watch it I yeah. want to read it because if it's based on a book, I just want to read the book. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And there are others where actually I can't be bothered to read all of those. Yep. This series yeah. is quite good. Yeah. I'm just going to watch the series. This is one of those, the latter Welcome part. Welcome to Reacher. Yeah. 
exactly so this is from the reacher named after jack reacher the titular, the character from lee child's books and this first series is based on lee child's very first jack reacher book uh killing floor uh, and from 97 and this is an example of of me going oh brilliant because i've always been curious about the reacher books but mm-hmm. i've just yeah. never ever got around to reading them and the tom cruise film was all right um and i know it irked a lot of people because when you look at if you compare Alan Richardson to Tom Cruise together, you realize, oh, okay, I can see why there was a massive outcry amongst Jack Reacher fans that Tom Cruise wasn't the Reacher they envisaged from the books. Yeah, considering that Alan is still shorter than what Jack Reacher is meant to be. Yeah. It's incredible. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, it's extraordinary. Um, he looks like, I mean, we'll talk about some. I mean, he's extraordinary. Like, you just can't take your eyes off him. He's so magnetic. Yes. So this comes from, this is on Amazon Prime, and it comes from Nick Santora, who who worked on Sopranos and Prison Break back in the day. And it's essentially a monosyllabic and muscular Sherlock Holmes. Probably the best way of putting it. Yeah, it's, it's Sherlock Holmes did some bodybuilding and just got carried away. It's, it's that was my big problem with the, with the book, because I read The Killing Floor and didn't get all the way through, because Reacher is such a difficult character to sympathize with empathize with because because he literally there are moments in it where it's just like reacher says nothing and he just says like one word two words and unlike sherlock holmes stories where you're seeing it through the lens of watson so you kind of you know you're as aggrieved as watson is when sherlock's acting up or not giving much information that the reacher books are all pretty much done from the third person so you're just like discovering you know the world as as reacher sees it and it's, they're very i found them very difficult to get along with in that respect because i just couldn't sympathize with who this lead character meant to what he just he just seemed like a bully he just went around not saying anything and beating people up <laughs> but then like what i didn't actually realize is because i didn't get further enough in the novel is how much these books and this series are these wonderfully layered and procedural murder mysteries an actual detective series and reacher is actually an extremely clever and bright deductive um detective he just happens to be six foot six feet tall and have hands the size of turkeys and it's (laughs) it's just this wonderful like there are moments in it where there's this wonderful juxtapositions where he's walking around a crime scene and like looking at grass and going yeah your killer went that way he was followed by three people and he had and he had a sausage roll for lunch and then just like how the hell did you work that out and then in the, and then in the next scene he's like ripping off bottle caps with his bloody elbows and like battering people against doors yeah it literally with a bicep you watch him do it he puts the bottle <laughs> there on his bicep he flexes and then just pulls it away and the, the cap just pings <laughs> off but he doesn't do anything with bravado no and he just does it and He's like, yeah, no, but he just shrugs it off. It, it, it's really fascinating to watch. And there have been some critics that said, well, yeah, I'll watch the first series, but I don't think he'll be able to carry it as a, as a leading character in the next few series. And I think one of the things I really find refreshing is that he's just a catalyst for everyone else to do all the yes. talking, to do all the, the drama, to, to kind of create yeah. the conflict. He's just this massive catalyst. And if I'm right, Sam, each reach a book is him going to a different town yeah. and solving another mystery and I, I i'm all for that i want more of that because yes. in this context 
he basically he's kind of like a drifter he was a former art military police officer yes so pretty tough as nails seen some awful stuff but knows his stuff inside out procedurally he's been adorned with medals and plaudits and you know his iq's off the charts all this kind of stuff and he just heard about this famous blues singer so he just gets on a bus he's got nothing on him apart from his clothes and his wallet and he gets a military pension and he's very utilitarian so he rips his jacket he'll put you know some tape on it and if he needs to get new clothes he'll only get new clothes if he needs to replace his old ones so he just he's very utilitarian and he just rocks up to this town gets off the bus (laughs) this giant just walks into this rural fictional town called Margrave and straight away he's arrested um, because there's been a murder in the area of free people and because he's new in town he's seen as a suspect he's eventually seen as innocent um, viewed as innocent viewed as innocent and he basically helps the local police force solve these murders which opens this massive can of worms yeah and one of the things I really, really love about it is between these three characters, you've got um, Jack Reacher himself, by, played by Alan Richardson, who is essentially a Greek god. The Greeks would have worshipped this person because the Greeks loved anyone athletic. And on top of that, an IQ like that, they would have absolutely worshipped. Like I was walking in Sweden. I walked into, into the National Museum. I was walking amongst marble sculptures, and none yeah. of them have got anything on this man. It's extraordinary. And... He's paired up with Officer Conklin from Willi- by Willi Fitzgerald, who's a local. Yeah. She's born and raised here, so she knows the town, she knows the people. But her boss, Detective Finley, is from Boston. He wears tweed, and he's just a fish out of water, a bit like Reacher, but he plays, does everything by the book. And it's really interesting watching these three people try and yeah. solve this crime together because they don't know who to trust, so they're having to play. You know, they're having to work outside of the law at times to do this and not tell anyone. And it just grows and it grows. I, I find myself in, in inside just eating popcorn. And it's I don't great. binge anything generally, but I have to resist the temptation of binge because I just happily binge it. Because it just grows and grows and grows and I'm never bored. And as Sam said, I get that wonderful Sherlock Holmes moment of him pointing out where the forensic officers have got stuff wrong. And it's so wonderful. You watch him take people down intellectually and then take them to other people down oh, physically. Oh my God. There's this, there's one, there's one episode where he basically, he goes full home alone in a house and it is utterly (laughs) spectacular. Like he, it's just, it's like pretty much like he just, it's a whole scene. It's just done in silence and he's in this house and that's all I want to say is he goes full home alone and it is just wonderful i think i think the one thing that that is a bit of a dampener on the series is the fact that each they said uh, amazon have said that each series is going to be a book and which is kind of unfortunate because like the characters are so interesting and how they interact with reacher it's kind of sad to look at them and go the next series we're not going to have none of these characters are going to exist again like it's going to be completely new cast it's going to be completely new situation like all of this growth and all of this development that we've had between these 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 people and reacher is going to is basically going to start again with a new with a new town which which i don't know what I don't know what that's going to be like, really, because is it just going to be the same old, oh, look at this gorilla, oh, he's a really big man, oh, you know, is it just going to be that all over again? 
you know that kind of like judging people on appearances but really he's actually a smart sensitive guy deep down um but but that's the sherlock holmes thing isn't it which i love mm. and a different different case each week people have heard of this person and F- holmes flexes and watson <laughs> writes it all down and then it's another case i, I like that yeah. i'm fine with that here and i i think that going back to that point that some people say as a criticism that because he's so monosyllabic you know he's quite laconic watching him change is going to be really interesting yeah um over subsequent even if it's glacial i think mm. that that's going to be much more pronounced because we are going to get if we are going to get that rotating cast of characters around him genuinely i i love this uh i i i i, I am i'm loving it i should say because i've still got two episodes left to watch of this i'm trying oh, to eke Chris. it out for as long as possible oh the finale oh it's just like just imagine how bonkers it could get and it just gets bonkers and at the end of it me and my wife were sitting there just like cheering because it just reach a man i love him it's he's such a good character and he's oh he's so well realized you're just actually just rooting for someone right from the get-go it's it's wonderful what's quite interesting about i listened to an interview with with alan and like they said that when they held the when they held the first round of interviews reacher of auditions they didn't find anyone because the mm. audition was literally reacher says nothing <laughs> and he said he just had to like sit in a room and not say anything and just react to what people were saying and like they just got no one from that audition round until they actually had a script with words in it which is quite interesting uh i have actually read that first the, the first, i've read most of the first book um, I'm gonna have to read it again because I. It's not great. His style of writing I found really infuriating, because he seemed to write just in statements. Like, mm-hmm. I, did, I don't remember seeing many commas. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> genuinely what? like. What an absolute savaging, Dad! What a savaging! I don't remember seeing many commas. <laughs> because I also also it was a while ago since I read it so I may have kind of misjudged that but it was one of the things that when you think you, when you when you've spotted something all you can see is that yeah yeah, yeah or yeah. not see you know when we were talking about gateway games <laughs> well Chris and I played something the other day which is definitely not a gateway game okay. but it might be one of the biggerest and bonkeriest games that i've that i've played in a long time simply put it's a game called free radicals right and it comes in quite an unassuming box it's got the cyberpunk style artwork it's designed by uh, nathan wall and uh published by WizKids. and it's on the surface it's a very straightforward euro style game where each player is attempting to activate buildings destinations on the board Mm -hmm. Um, if they take ownership of those buildings then other people if they activate those buildings and other players can go and visit them maybe get they get some bonuses um, from visiting it and but the person who owns it who activated it they'll also get bonuses and there's a knowledge track and there's different economies floating around and and all this all this kind of all this kind of stuff but all Mm -hmm. all all good fun all good fun Mm. however however the the twist on the game and what makes it so big and bloody bonkers is that it's asymmetrical and there are 10, count them, 10 different ways 
out of the box that players can play with the game. Mm. So, <laughs> yes, yes, that noise, correct. Mm. You should be worried. <laughs> and as Chris will know, asymmetric games are not my favourite. Like, I'm a not big, I'm not a big fan of Root, for example. I can understand You made that why very great. clear. I can appreciate it, but I'm not a big fan of asymmetric games. I, I, it doesn't need a lot of going into, but it's basically, I'm not a big fan of someone doing something at the other side of the table, interacting with some of my characters, and I have no idea or control about what's going on. Like, right. I just don't find that fun. What is interesting about Free Radicals is that even though it's got 10 completely different ways of playing and interacting with the game, everyone's trying to do the same thing. Everyone's going for the same goal. So essentially, there are 10 different ways of performing the same actions to interact with the main board. Does that make sense? So I think how Free Radicals kind of pitches itself which is how I basically sold it to Chris. I gave him the box and I gave him these like little handy worksheets that it comes with. And it's just like, what type of game do you fancy this evening, Chris? What game do you want to play? Do you want to play a tile laying puzzle game? Do you want to play a little program, a little programmable game? Do you want to play a deck builder? Do you want to play a resource management game? Do you want to build a hand? Do you want to play a hand management game, Chris? What do you want to play? And I said, I would like to play a dungeon crawler, please, Sam. So I handed all of Chris's little bits and he gets his own little rule sheet which tells him what he has to do to basically play the actions that interact with the board. And I and I went with, what did I go with, Chris? I went with the... Um, the entertainers. I went with the entertainers, which are essentially like a, a luck mitigation um, <laughs> style game where basically I had to draw hands of entertainers from my, from my, from my deck mm. and then basically put them on stage um, and use them for actions but but the entertainers I was putting on stage meant that they weren't going back into my deck so I had to basically effectively manage my deck and my resources in order to make sure I wasn't putting really high profile entertainers on stage where they wouldn't be in my deck to be used for future rounds but we were all doing the same sort of stuff interacting with the board activating buildings doing that we were just playing different games to get us to this one destination and it's a really weird feeling like it's weird anyway where someone's doing something across from you on the table and you have no idea what they're doing it's even weirder and more bonkers when they're doing stuff on the table that you don't know what they're doing but they're doing the same thing that you're doing if that makes sense mm -hmm. like they're collecting resources and paying to activate buildings and visiting buildings and moving stuff along a knowledge track and getting victory points for doing it. They're doing exactly what you're doing it, but they're doing it in a completely different way to what you're doing. Hmm. You know, and yeah, Chris, I don't know how it's, what kind of impression it's left on you, but I'm just really tempted to, you know, get it down from the shelf again and be like, right, what do I want to play today? I really do want to play it again. I'm wondering a bit like, I think it was a point you made in Root when we talked about Root on the pod. Well, will I want to play it once I've played it? Had to go every single faction. Yes. I do find it very, very interesting. I think one of the reasons why you like this is there's actually quite minimal player interaction. There's no real way I can mess up what you're doing with the entertainers. I don't like, I can't send one of my adventurers on stage and mess up your show and vice yeah. versa. You can't come and mess up my exploration with my adventurers there's a little bit of 
area control um, in the center mm -hmm. board. But other than that, it's just handing the prestige token back and forth to each other. And that's the, without that, I think you and I are kind of in our own little worlds, which is something I don't begrudge. It's something I quite like. And that's why it feels a little bit Euro style. Can we talk about the art? Because yeah. certain factions are paired and they have a, a color denoting them. And it's very bold colors, right? Very, very bold colors. I saw, yeah. I, I watched a review of this game on YouTube and one of the commenters put at the bottom as a comment said, it looks like a birthday cake's been sick on the table. <laughs> it's not one for the box, really, is it? <laughs> but like it is, it, it, but I was trying, I was thinking about this because it, it can be quite off-putting, but, but actually I would much prefer something like that than yes. your typical... You know, this is this is lovely to see a game that's set in the future. It's not dystopic, mm. <laughs> in the slightest. Yes. Uh, that's something that needs to be mentioned, and it's colourful, it's bold, it's in your face. There is a world around this which you can tap into if you want to or not. Yeah, and but... I was I was buzzing, I was buzzing yeah. throughout this. Yeah. I must admit, I was buzzing because the games themselves aren't difficult. But that's not the point. And again, I've seen some reviewers say, well, if you just had this factions on its own as a game, would it be good? Well, no, of course it won't. In the same way no, that no, no. if you just built a game out of a single faction of Root, it wouldn't be interesting whatsoever. The whole point mm. is that wonderful combination of block, that dance between them. And if you like the idea of asymmetry, but you don't really like that sense of, oh, I didn't know you could do that to me. Oh, then this is yeah. a great game. And it... it to, and I think it, it does put its money where its mouth is in terms of its USP. It just about, I think, lands beyond being some of a gimmick. It, there is something of a degree of substance. And I know, for example, Rado loves this game, for example, another board game reviewer. Right. And I don't, it's one of those bonkers, wacky concepts, a bit like that game, oh, it was, was it called 503? I think it was the game where you essentially yeah, bought like that, yeah. 503 different games in a box. And just had a box full of pieces, and it had a, a single rule book, and you could literally open it. And go, okay, what are we playing today? It's that, it's that madness, that bonkers that is unlike anything you own, and yeah. just the novelty yes. of being sat with a load of people, each playing a different game, and going, oh gosh, oh you're, oh, and looking around, going, oh yeah, I, I was looking at Sam, thinking, oh maybe I should have picked the entertainers because that looks really good fun, because Sam has to kind of make a prediction about what he thinks I'm going to do. Oh, I really, really like that. And I imagine you were looking at me, Sam, who's, who's got these tiles face down yeah. and exploring this kind of futuristic dungeon, Dun as it were. Yeah, trying yeah. Trying to work yeah. out, well, what's Chris doing over there? Because he's not told me how he's playing this game. He could just be making it up. Yeah. But knowing that in the box there's like worker placement, engine building, and I'm always in the mood for, for, for different kind of things. And I think that, you know, what longevity this game has, I, I, I don't know. Because, you know, they're that whether that novelty factor will wear off or whether you know there's a I, th I think there's definitely a bit of luck when it comes to combining the right like styles of play against each other like i don't think that we like played the best factions for for a two-player game there's probably forums out there which will which will help um so i think there may be situations where you just have a bad time because you accidentally picked the wrong factions that right that game which is a bit of a shame when it's kind of like when it feels like a game that should be i fancy a little bit of this let's let's have a play but i think for that for what effectively is like a sweet shop in a box it's it's a little bit of fun and i think that you know maybe there's a few people who expect like oh this isn't you know it, 
it expects like the fully fledged worker placement experience or the fully fledged you know hand management domino experience or tile laying thing you know when they pick it up that box it's not it's you know as i've already said when me and chris were playing it i just kept turning around to him and go this is just bonkers isn't it like this is utterly silly and it's fun and the less serious we took it the more the more fun we were having um which i think sometimes you just you just gotta let loose a bit and just just chill out everyone relax guys it's just a game that was another episode of staying in with sam turner dan frost peter willington and myself chris darby tack that's swedish for thank you and thank you for listening to us um, on our 150th episode i would also like to say a very big tack to coiled springs and whiz kids for very kindly sending us copies of games to review we really do appreciate it and we've really enjoyed uh playing them so thank you very much for that if you want to uh talk about the trials and tribulations of living with a sauna i think pete would really appreciate that uh, feel free to get in touch with us at stayinginpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. At stayinginpod is our handle for all of those uh, platforms. The video games we talk about will be on our Steam curation page, as well as our Board Game Geek uh, page being the site for all of our board game discussions. That's kind of it really for me at the moment. We've made it to 150. That's a century and a half of episodes. So thank you very much for joining us on this journey. And as they say in Sweden, Aja. Bye.